0: overcoming limiting beliefs, and tapping into a life of abundance. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. To any new listeners, my name is Andrea, formerly known as Awkwardly Tall Girl, formerly known as Mandria, a former shit show, a recovering alcoholic, and a girl who peed her pants at a roost Chris stone cold sober. That is me. And today, we are diving deep into overcoming our limiting beliefs using EFT. Now, EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also known as tapping. I will be using the two interchangeably throughout the episode, but it is a very simple and effective way to reduce stress and to overcome self-limiting beliefs. And it's also free, and you can do it essentially anywhere and anytime. Today, I am talking to Brad Yates, who is a former clown turned hypnotherapist and EFT wizard. Yes, an actual legit clown in the circus, which you'll get to hear all about in my conversation with him. So EFT was developed in the 90s by a guy named Gary Craig, and it is a method used within energy psychology. It is based off Chinese acupuncture and The underlying premise of it is that unlike Western medicine's focus as our bodies as solely a chemical system, EFT acknowledges that our bodies also have an energy system and that the root of our negative emotions is a disruption or a blockage in our energy systems. So the way that EFT tapping works is that instead of using needles, which is used in traditional acupuncture, we use our fingers to tap on the same points where needles are typically placed while simultaneously stating an affirmation out loud. I'm going to try my best to explain this high level. It's kind of hard to explain in words, but let's give it a go. So, we start off by identifying an issue, a current stress, a limiting belief that we are currently dealing with. And then we use this to create the affirmation, what is known as the setup affirmation, that we will say out loud while we tap. But this is not your typical affirmation like, I love myself or I am manifesting my desires. This is a statement that one, acknowledges the problem at hand, and two, states a level of acceptance of the problem at hand. For example, even though I have this fear, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Or even though I don't believe I deserve success or happiness or whatever you want to put in there, I choose to deeply and completely love and accept myself. Please go check out a video. That probably didn't make any sense, but it'll make sense once you see it. But the magic sauce with tapping is this setup statement, because we acknowledge the problem at hand instead of ignoring it, and we state a level of acceptance over it rather than beating ourselves up. And this is why I think tapping is such a powerful tool for adult children to use, because as we know... The core problem of an adult child is the faulty programming from our upbringing, the limiting beliefs that resulted from growing up in a dysfunctional family. Now, you may already know this, but our subconscious mind is largely responsible for all of the decisions that we make. It accounts for 95% of all of our thinking, and also our beliefs are largely formed by the age of seven, yes, seven years old, which means that these beliefs that we learned as children are ingrained in our brain to the point that we don't even stop to question them, even though they may be different than everyone else, even though they may go totally against what we consciously believe about ourselves. One of my absolute favorite thing that Brad says often in his tapping videos is about how self-sabotage is just misguided love, that every issue we have is just a way that we are trying to protect ourselves, that if we're experiencing emotional pain, that there is a part of us that is saying this is going to keep me safe. It may not make any logical sense. It may not even be a conscious thought, but it keeps us from going someplace that we view as scary or outside our comfort zone or that goes against these deeply ingrained damaging beliefs that we have about ourselves. Now, I have been incorporating tapping into my manifestation practice, and this is what Brad and I talk about at length in our conversation about how fucking important it is to shine a light on and overcome our limiting beliefs as part of the law of attraction practice. Now, we can say all the positive affirmations we want, but if we really want these to sink in, to hold true, we have to clean up the muck of our past. It's like that old Febreze commercial where they're just sprinkling flower petals on top of dead fish. So I know that I still have limiting beliefs around success and abundance that stem from my childhood. And I have been making a huge effort as of late to address and overcome these. Like, success can't be had off the beaten path or that creativity doesn't lead to success. This podcast has been the most amazing experience for me. When I work on this podcast, I experience being in my flow state. I feel like this is what I'm meant to do. And I really, really want this to lead to some sort of career path. My big vision is I want to create a recovery podcast network. And that is really scary for me to say out loud, to share with you all, because there is still a part of me that says, that's delusional. Who do you think you are? That's impossible. And therefore, I assume that you'll think the same thing, too, when I say it out loud. But guess what? It's not true. It's not impossible. It's 100% possible. It's 100% attainable. And that is why I'm stating it out loud to you all to take away some of the power of these limiting false beliefs that I still hold. And I'm just going to keep tap, tap, tapping away on these limiting beliefs. And I highly encourage you to check out one of Brad's videos. It might seem silly or weird to tap on your face and say, even though I have limiting beliefs related to success and abundance, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. But my experience has been that it works. Just after a five minute video. I recognize a difference in my thoughts, but most notably, I notice a difference in the tension, the anxiety that I feel in my body. I also find that I'm not as easily distracted or have as many wandering thoughts as I typically do when I'm meditating. So today's homework, go check out the link I've included in the show notes. Just give it a go. I promise you'll dig it. If not, you don't have to do it ever again. And you only wasted five minutes. But now let's go on to my conversation with former clown, EFT wizard, Brad Yates. And as always, if you're wondering how you can support the pod, if you're using Apple, please, please, please give me a five-star rating. If you're using a different podcast platform, please just hit that subscribe button. And most importantly, what you can all do is spread the word about adult child. Tell everyone and their mothers about this damn podcast. The truth of the matter, my dear shit, shows is that there is a huge overlap in those of us who grew up in a dysfunctional family and those of us who are suffering from ADHD. I myself got diagnosed with ADHD about a year ago and getting this diagnosis and treating this diagnosis has made such a difference in my productivity and getting shit done. Now let me tell you about Done. Done is an online ADHD care platform where you can get all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD take a free 1-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24/7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy copays as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com/podcast to learn more. Again, that is get.donefirst.com/podcast. Done. Turn ADHD into your strength. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce a master YouTuber, an author, a keynote speaker, abundance coach, and an EFT wizard, Brad Yates. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. What, we're going to cut this interview off if you call me Andrea at all. The, <laughs>
1: the I was going to go with Andrea, um, but I'm you know I'm glad to know that I was going to get it right. And 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 fortunately, I can say I didn't self-proclaim myself EFT wizard. Someone else gave me that moniker. Okay, Okay. somebody else. (laughs) My evil twin.
0: Yeah. What about uh, evolution catalyst? Is that self-proclaimed? That
1: was one I came up with. Yes. Well, divinely inspired.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I don't create
1: anything. It all comes through me.
0: So, what do you mean by that?
1: Just the idea that as human beings, we're evolving. We're, you know, as, as a race, but also as individuals and it's our own personal evolution. And, you know, catalyst is just something that, that prompts that. And so the work that I do helps, uh, spur that on, create more of an opening, facilitate that evolution.
0: Yeah. So I, um, I had the privilege of being on Dr. Drew's podcast and the the episode was just released today. When I posted it on my, on my social media, I said that I'm, I said, I'm so grateful for the pain and suffering that were the catalysts to me, you know, creating this podcast.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a statement in, uh, in the big book about, uh, it says we were like men who had lost our legs. And the thought I had about this, yeah. And losing our legs, we learned that we had wings
0: look at you. So why don't, you're not in the program, but why don't you share, why do you know so much of this, uh, the big book lingo?
1: I had the opportunity years ago to, uh, I was invited to be a teacher at Sacramento Drug Court using EFT as a tool for recovery because this process of tapping, I I don't know how familiar the audience is with, with EFT and tapping, but, it, but, it's, but it's this process of, of clearing out stress and discomfort, which can be used in the moment of craving, but also in terms of clearing out past upsets that can prompt our unhealthy behavior. And I, so I somehow got to know the, uh, the person who was running this program and said, hey, would you come in and, and teach EFT to these people coming out of uh, jail for drug offenses as a recovery tool? And they also had people teaching Tai Chi and yoga. And acupuncture, and so it was like, well, this is a very good opportunity to uh, learn about the twelve steps. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I did go to, I went to some uh, debtors anonymous at, at that point. My finances were not great, and so I went through, um, I went to some debtors anonymous uh, meetings for some time to be involved in twelve steps in that uh, in that format. But just fell in love with uh, the, the brilliant, the brilliant work. It's such a Uh, An amazing spiritual program, and it's uh, it's kind of too bad that unless people have a specific addiction, they might not find that or take advantage of it. You know, it's the the two by four hitting rock bottom that that prompts people to look for that catalyst for evolution. Recognizing I can't keep going the way I am, and so many people are living so far beyond what's possible for, or so far below what's possible for them. Because until a two-by-four hits them, they're not going to look for a, a program of recovery like that.
0: I know. I know. And I know for me, you know, the 12 steps worked wonders in my life, but it couldn't, it couldn't address everything. And I needed to take other, you know, I needed to take other action in other ways and, and tapping comes into that. Um, but I don't think it's a cure-all. I, I think that that it's changing, you know, I think initially earlier on and when 12 steps was kind of first founded, it was, you know, therapy was looked down upon or other, other methods of healing was looked down upon. I think now it's, it's being more fully embraced. Um, but there still are a lot of miserable people (laughs) that have have worked all 12 steps multiple times, but maybe need to explore some other options.
1: (laughs) right and and i don't think anything is meant to be a cure all i i each thing that we do creates an opening for us to find other avenues and other things that will benefit us i know people who have done eft and it's been of great benefit and it's through the eft and the clearing they do there that they then find something else you know whether it's meditation or hypnosis or or the 12 steps or whatever else it might be that is another part of their evolution into a a fully functioning and fully joyful human being. So each of these things that we do, there's, I don't think there's any one thing and and that would be kind of be uh, too bad. if (laughs) It's like, you know, eating the same thing for dinner every night. (laughs) Well, it feeds my body. Why else do I need anything else? Oh, but there's so much more.
0: Oh, I know. I, I've had a few people say to me, they're like, if I could just take a pill in the beginning of the day, that would f- fulfill all of my me- m- meals for that day. I'd be- I'm like, you, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> people who say I forgot to eat lunch. Like I've never forgot to eat a single me- meal in my life. <laughs> I'm either eating a meal or thinking about my next meal.
1: <laughs> it is definitely one of the joys of life, sometimes pro- in a problematic way. <laughs> Yeah, this is true.
0: <laughs> so before we get into all this stuff, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So I want to talk about how you got into this work, but I first wanted to ask you, so this is adult child. This is about the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Did you, Brad Yates, have a dysfunctional upbringing?
1: Wow. In the hot seat right away. Yes. Uh, you know, I am. I am very blessed to say that my family was more functional than most. Uh, from, from my experience of, of, of talking to people, uh, and I was just down, I spent the weekend with my parents the other night and two of my four sisters were there and we're all just sitting around and, and we're talking about how, how amazingly functional we are that we all talk, we all love each other. We, you know, I, I know it's, uh, and I'm, you know, I apologize to anyone who's like, damn you, <laughs> yes, <sir. Yeah. laughs> what does he know about anything? <laughs> um, and Nothing is perfect. There are there are definitely uh dysfunctions. I don't I don't know that I've never met a family that had no dysfunction. Uh yeah, of course. it's it's a spectrum. Uh it's like mm-hmm. I was recently was mental health awareness week and uh or month and someone was uh that I, I work with a group called um samehere.org. And they said, you know, every, every year in Mental Health Awareness Week, they say, one in five people deal with mental illness. And they said, no, five in five, five in five people have to deal with mental health issues, some more dramatically than others. But it's a spectrum, and everybody's on that spectrum. And so same with, same with dysfunction. I, I am just very blessed that my family was low on that spectrum, as, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell compared to other people I've talked to. So
0: yeah, I think that that's the thing. It's it's. I think that every family. Um, I don't think necessarily what makes a family dysfunctional is that it, it it dysfunction exists, but more so how that dysfunction is handled. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think a dysfunctional family is when the dysfunction is ignored, it's not addressed, covered up. So, um, and then so tell me about your clowning days. <laughs> When was the last time you had clown makeup on?
1: It it has been a long time. I finally had to throw out my makeup case because the makeup was so old. It's like, that's not healthy to put on your face after, after, you know, 20 years. So it had... It's it's probably been at least a decade because the last time was when my wife signed me up for to volunteer at our kid's school, <laughs> and, and one has graduated from college and the other is a senior in college. So it was a long time ago that that. How did happened.
0: they feel about that? Were they did they think that was cool or that was not <laughs> cringeworthy?
1: <laughs> you no, know, they not as cringeworthy as having your dad be on the internet tapping on his face. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. And even, and even that they didn't, they didn't cringe so much about that. And my daughter was even did some videos with me, Uh, but no, they, they thought it was, they thought it was fun, but I only did it a a couple of, you know, a handful of times after I graduated from Ringling Brothers Clown College, uh, did I actually do the full, full makeup clowning thing, but I've used everything that I learned.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) How did you end up in the clown school?
1: I was walking along the street and somebody grabbed me and threw me in a truck.
0: (laughs) You look like a real clown, dude.
1: Yeah, exactly. That one. (laughs) Grab him. The circus needs clowns. Uh, (laughs) So I I was an actor and I uh, had traveled the world doing theater and then went to Hollywood to be a movie star, as one does. And while I was there, I heard about the auditions for Clown College and I thought, hey, that would be fun. And was fortunate enough to be one of the people who uh, passed the audition and made the cut and and got in. So it was two months of intensive. Economy.
0: What did you have to do for the audition?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't even really remember now. There was, you know, there's a, a lengthy application you filled out. Uh, and I know a lot of people didn't even audition because the auditions were only held in a few cities around the U.S. Um, I don't remember what what we did in the audition. Uh, I remember that at the audition that I went to in in LA, uh, they grabbed a couple of us and said, Hey, we're doing a news story for some news station and we'd love to interview you. And the woman, uh, and they were talking to this other woman just before me. And they said, so why did you come here? And she goes, well, people are always telling me how funny I am. And they said, really do something funny. And I was like, Oh, thank God that wasn't me. It's like, yeah, you're on camera for a, for a news station. It's like, do something funny. So that was cringeworthy. What
0: makes a good class? Uh
1: Willingness, Will- willingness to to just go with with what comes up, and it, and very much what what benefits me in terms of doing the work that I do. That when uh, when I'm tapping with someone and the ideas come, I'm. Uh, try to be as clear a channel as possible for ideas and it's the same with clowning it's being able to look at an object and see something that it's not and and play with it you know you pick up a banana and use it as a phone you use objects in different ways and that was the it was an amazing experience to spend two months with a group of people all doing the same thing of going through and exploring what what's possible what can we um what can we come up with and, and then allowing an audience to to experience that and, and have fun and be sucked into this crazy world. So, uh, yeah, so I definitely still use that in this work.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's a dying profession.
1: Well, that's how Clown College got started was because clowning and, and, and circus had been, it was a generational thing. Families they in, in Europe, you know, circus work was in your families and it, and it continued in that tradition and then it, it started to die out and so in the i think it was in the 60s that um Erwin feld who owned ringling brothers at that time realized that the clowns they had were getting old <laughs> and there weren't these clown families and so said so we need to create a school where the older clowns can pass on their wisdom to a younger crowd and continued in that way for until uh uh, just a couple years after I was there, I was there in 94. And then after a few years, they, they, they closed ring, uh, clown college and now just have a tradition of mentoring people and uh, finding people that are interested in it. And they come in and they're mentored in the show.
0: You shut them down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then how did you go from being a clown to getting into this, you know, spiritual healing work?
1: Yeah. So while I was in L.A. and uh, pursuing my acting career and uh, having gone to clown college, I also met a woman, fell in love and got married. And when our first child was on the way, I thought, you know, I need a backup career. <laughs> so I saw an advertisement for hypnotherapy school. See, this scene, it's My whole career is me looking in the newspaper and seeing advertisements for schools, clown school, hypnotherapy school, what the heck. Um, you know, I should have found one for an accountancy school. It'd be, uh, no,
0: I'm, <laughs> it'd be I'm, a, I'm a recovering CPA, but
1: no. I, I, oh, there you go.
0: I'm a, I'm a recovering <laughs> alcoholic and a recovering CPA. So I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> I, I call myself a recovering actor. <laughs> so, um, so I, I trained in that and started building hypnotherapy practice. And then after a couple of years, when our second child was on the way, I realized that as much as I loved acting, it was doing personal development work was really my calling. This is really what I, I felt I was meant to do. And so we left Los Angeles and moved to Northern California to be closer to our families. Uh, my wife's parents had recently retired and moved from Ohio out to Northern California where my parents were. And through some other hypnotherapists, they were talking about this energy psychology conference. And this guy, Gary Craig, is teaching this thing called EFT, where you tap on your face. And when people first learn about tapping, that you tap on your face, they say, wow, that's uh, kind of weird. I've been to clown college. So, you know, <laughs> tapping on my face, hey, no big deal. I was, I, you know, my, my threshold for, for silliness was, you know, pretty high. So I so I've just found the process fascinating. And little by little started incorporating it into my hypnotherapy sessions. And then little by little, they became tapping sessions with a little bit of hypnosis at the end.
0: So when you went to hypnotherapy school, did you have any prior experience? Had you been in therapy ever or was it just really just like, oh, this sounds kind of interesting?
1: I- I'd always been fascinated with the power of the mind. I had been fascinated by like parapsychology and uh, all kinds of things like that. When I was, when I was 15 years old, I was talking about this. My dad said, I think you're ready for illusions. Illusions is a book by Richard Bach. It's uh, the same guy who wrote Jonathan Linenson's Eagle. And uh, I have since found out that some of the, uh, if you know the movie, the secret, some of the guys in the movie, the secret, um, like Bob Doyle and Joe Vitale and Mike Dooley are friends of mine. And they have all said, Oh yeah. Illusions was one of the books that first got me on this path wow. as
0: well. I've never read it. I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah, it's called Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. Mm-hmm. It's a short read and just a, just a wonderful story about it's a law of attraction story, basically, before people were talking about law of attraction mm-hmm. and how we create our reality. And, and so I, I'd always been interested in, that, interested in that. And in high school, I'd been interested in hypnotherapy. Hadn't really done anything with it, but I just had read about it. So that kind of stuff was all percolating. And then, you know, being an actor is also being a student of psychology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'd gone through, I'd had some counseling while I was in college when when one of my roommates had said, dude, I think you need to get in some counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Why? What prompted that? Well, it was funny because I had no idea. He just said, you know, sometimes you're just so uptight. And I had no awareness of this. So it was like, Oh, okay. And so going and talking to some about stuff that I just bottled up and just thought that I was fine. I'm fine. I'm, you know, carry on this, this act of life and I'm cool and everything is awesome. And, uh, and not aware of things that, uh, you know, things that I was afraid of things that I, that had bothered me that, that were manifesting in behavior that was too subtle for me to be aware of, but other people were picking up on. Mm-hmm. Wow. So,
0: and then as part of going through the hypnotherapy training, were you required to to have it your own sessions as well to to get hypnotherapy treatment as part of the schooling?
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a, a great uh, mentor um, Nar- uh, named Mark Gravel, who's unfortunately no longer with us. Uh, who, while while mentoring me, also would do sessions with me. And I loved it. That's one of the reasons I still incorporate in my work because it's such an awesome feeling of just going to this very relaxed place and 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 going through these uh, positive images and just allowing it. It's very nurturing for both mind and body.
0: So the the way that I came across you was I was um, googling something about law of attraction or manifestation, and so I came across this blog that you wrote. I think it's probably I don't know how old it is, but it's pretty old but it's uh, where you talk about manifestation 101. And so you have five steps in there. And so I want to go through those five steps because part of the second step is with EFT. And so then we can kind of dive into that Mm -hmm. some, but um, yeah, I just want you to know that your videos, your tools has, has been playing a big role in me growing this podcast and uh, trying to release, you know, limiting beliefs. So I just want you to know that you've really helped me a lot and you've played a big role every day. I'm every day. I'm touching my face with you. So even though you don't know it.
1: <laughs> well, the, I, I greatly appreciate that injury because the, the reason I do the work that I do is so that people will share their gifts and talents and to look at, and you know I was looking at your podcast and the people you've interviewed and the subjects you've covered. And I know, I know how many people that must be benefiting. So for me to know that I have somehow helped you allow yourself to then go forth and help other people in that way is extremely gratifying.
0: That's what I always like to ask my guests, you know, that I know have had a large impact on people. Are you able to to receive that and, and hold that and, and really feel, you know, gratitude for the huge impact that you've had?
1: I do. And I, I, I go through comments on my YouTube channel, you know, to see if there's, because sometimes people have questions that that I want to answer. And a lot of the comments are just things saying thank you. You have no idea what a difference you've made. I, when I was able to do live workshops, I would meet people who would come up and tell me the difference that it makes. And it's very gratifying, and it's it's one of the ways that God, higher power, however people want to perceive that, um, lets me know that I'm on the right track. <laughs> so it's it's just it's nice to know. Okay, here's here's validation that that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I get a visceral reaction whenever I receive, you know, messages from from listeners. So, step 1, create it.
1: I haven't read that article in a while. Uh, I used to publish it every every month year. But so create is, is is when you come up with the idea of what it is that you want. So, you know, whether it whatever your ideal life looks like. So, for some person it might be a healthy body, for another it might be a relationship, it might be a house on the beach, it may be a sports car. So it's saying, okay, here's here's what it I what I want, and uh, deciding what that is.
0: How important is it to be specific? You know, because I hear that a lot. In you know, if I do guided manifestation videos, I, sometimes they say the more specific, the better. But what are your thoughts on that?
1: The more specific we make it, the easier it is for our for ourselves to envision it. the The caution is that we don't want to make it so specific that you know, if I say I want a uh, I, I want a 2022 uh, Porsche 911 Carrera, and I want it in silver. And, and suddenly, I have an opportunity, and someone says, "Hey, I, I just won this, uh, or, or if I have a con there's a contest, and I win this Porsche Carrera, but it's blue." And it's like, this manifestation doesn't work. <laughs> uh, so what I when I have people fill out, when, I give an intake form to new clients. And I say, write out what your ideal life looks like. I'm so happy and grateful that I have this. And then it ends with this or something even better for the highest good of all concerned. So you're being specific without being attached to the specifics. And so that gives us the freedom. It's like, okay, this is what this is what I really think I want. This is what I really feel I want. I, I'm picturing it. And I'm open to if it's there's something different because I might find, gosh, this color blue is awesome. I can't believe I wanted silver. (laughs) But there's that part of us that would Mm -hmm. say, no, 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 it has to be what I say that I want, even though that's far short of what's possible for me.
0: Yeah. I think it's about being open to receiving new information about our, you know, learning about ourselves and also receiving new information from our higher power. I mean, I, over the past several years, you know, I started, so many creative projects that I were convinced that that was the thing, you know, this is what I was going to do. And it didn't like, this podcast was what I was supposed to do. Um, So just being open to learning new information and, you know, receiving new insights from your higher power, I think is important.
1: Now, like at this moment, at this moment, this is what I believe that I want. And I'm going to create it in the detail of what I believe I want right now and being open to the fact that I'm evolving and, what I want right now may be totally different. I, for the longest time, I wanted to be a a movie star. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to, I I would visualize winning an Oscar. There's always Susan Sarandon was last year's best actress who, you know, this year was giving me my, uh, my trophy. And it's like, now I can't even imagine. I, I loved acting and I know that acting is the absolute right career for some people, but I can't imagine loving uh, any career as much as I love what I do now.
0: Mm, That's amazing. Okay. So next point is clear it. Uh, Step two. So this is where EFT comes into, into play. So I've high level explained to the listeners what it is, but can you explain how the hell and why this works?
1: (laughs) How on earth can tap, help you manifest what you want or do anything other than bruise your face. Uh, So tapping is based on acupuncture. So for thousands of years in Chinese medicine, they've said there's a flow of energy through the body along these pathways called meridians. When this energy is flowing naturally, we experience our natural state of health and well-being. When this energy gets stuck, we don't feel so good. We don't think as clearly. We don't make the best choices. All of us are familiar with making bad choices. That's because something inside of us was not feeling good. So in traditional acupuncture, the doctor would stick needles in these key points to stimulate that healthy flow of energy. And we're just doing the same thing by tapping these points with our fingertips. There are a number of ways in which it may be working. We we know that it works. We have scientific evidence. We have a growing body of scientific evidence uh, cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone, we can see um, in double blind studies, the group that does the tapping, their cortisol levels drop dramatically, 24 to 50%. Uh, We have fMRI studies where we can see brain activity, parts of the brain lighting up when we're having cravings. And then after tapping, and we can still look at the things we're craving, and those parts of the brain don't light up anymore. So it's not just, you know, us saying, yeah, I think I feel better. It's like, No, we can measure things in a scientific way to see that the tapping is having that effect. Is it that we're clearing out the blockages in the meridian? Is it that the um, the electrical stimulation that happens from tapping on these points is sending messages to the brain that calms down the fight or flight uh, system? Is it the polyvagal polyvagal system, the, the vagus nerve that runs from the brainstem down through the body and connects to the different organs that... Uh, that manages emotions, so there's all kinds of ways that the tapping is down regulating that upset, that stress response.
0: So initially, we're starting right with like the setup affirmation, where we're you know tapping the karate chop. So with that, we're using the setup affirmation. I think what what makes this unique in the sense is that we are acknowledging the limiting belief, right? I think a lot of the times with affirmations, we're like clear, we're just clearly sticking to the positive. Can you explain right. what, what the purpose is of this initial um, step and, and why it's so important that we acknowledge whatever the, the limiting belief is?
1: Yeah, because what we resist persists. When I first introduced EFT to some people and you say, you know, she tapped on the side of her hand and we, we state a, a, a level of self-acceptance even though we have this issue. It's, it's just like an AA saying, I'm a recovering alcoholic. It's a, acknowledging that it's there as opposed to trying to pretend that it's not there. And so when we start out and say, um, even though I'm really angry at Bob, I choose to love and accept myself. And when people hear that, they go, no, no, you you mentioned the negative thing. It's always, you have to focus on the positive, always focus on the positive. And I'll say, okay, so if you have a, a beautiful living room with a beautiful carpet, and you also have a beautiful dog, and your dog leaves a not so beautiful present on your carpet, are you going to say, I'm not going to look there. I'm only going to look at where the carpet is clean. One, you're kidding yourself because your brain is very much thinking there's poop there. Two, if you try to avoid it, you're going to step in and spread it around. So it's a matter of, it's not a matter of sitting there and dwelling on it going, oh, there's poop on my carpet. You want to sit down go, oh, there it is. I'm going to clean it up and I'm going to address it. So in terms of mm. law of attraction and this manifestation process, I, I took this step from uh, these steps from, uh, I can't remember the book, but it was based on the teachings of Abraham Hicks. And they had the steps create it and then move on to the next <laughs> thing. And they didn't have to clear it. And this is where uh, Joe Vitale from The Secret, he and I had become friends and we were talking because we were both saying the same thing. You've got to deal with what's there. If I just if I have this belief about why I couldn't or shouldn't have that, then I can be trying to feel really good about it. I can be trying to manifest it, but there's a part of me that's very much focused on the negative, and that's in my energy. So we want to address it and say, okay, let's say I, I, I say I want to have uh, I, I want to make uh, five hundred thousand dollars this year, but if I have a belief that money is the root of all evil, I've got to address that. Because otherwise, every time I say I'm making a five hundred thousand dollars a year, part of me is going, "No way in hell am I going to do that!" Because I don't want to be evil.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really um, that's really kind of like the main message of of this podcast, or what my experience was was, you know, I didn't I didn't know what the problem was for a long time. I didn't realize that I had these faulty beliefs from childhood. But it didn't matter, you know, how much I promised myself that the next time I found myself in a romantic relationship, that I wouldn't ignore red flags or that I wouldn't date an, you know, an active alcoholic or a guy that was emotionally unavailable. It didn't matter what promises I made to myself, what intentions I made. Nothing I was completely powerless until one, I realized what the issue was, and two, I, I dressed it and I worked through that issue. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, using EFT for daily stresses as compared to using it to address this deep core shit, like our the faulty programming from childhood.
1: Right. And I recommend tapping on a daily basis because to me it's energy hygiene, just like physical hygiene, like brushing your teeth and taking a shower. Most of us do it daily just as a maintenance thing, whether we think we need it or not. We don't wait until everyone around us is holding their nose and then say, Oh, that's right. I haven't taken a shower in two weeks. We We do it. Before we know we need it. And most of us don't have a way of dealing with stress in that same way. But stress is always compounding. You know, the reason that we stink after a while of not taking a shower is because all the dirt that we pick up compounds until the point where it's like really noticeable. Stress is always compounding. We don't want to wait to the point where it's really noticeable when we're behaving in unhealthy ways where we're making bad choices for ourselves or harmful choices towards other people. But that's what happens. It it builds up so having some way of dealing on a daily basis and that doesn't mean that every day you need to be going in and i'm going to tap on this really traumatic event from my childhood with my dad when he did this to me it can simply be you know one of the one of the fun videos that i have about tapping for a million dollars or whatever just doing some kind of clearing because whatever we're tapping on whatever we're saying And tapping is beneficial, even if we're not saying anything, if we're just tapping silently, we're still going to be clearing stress out of our body. And most people have no awareness of the stress they're carrying. We all have ambient Mm -hmm. stress, especially in this day and age, uh, the information age, we're constantly being bombarded with messages about things. Here's something you should be upset about. And we just brush it off and go, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. Even though I'm reading stories about an earthquake that happened halfway around the world and how the stock market isn't doing well and this election issue and all of these different things. And we're walking around and that's it's like people dumping dirt on us and we're walking around going, I don't need a shower. <laughs> so it's on a daily basis, doing some clearing, some cleaning and allowing ourselves to be as free and open as possible and healthy as possible.
0: It, it reminds me of EMDR in some ways. Um are you familiar with EMDR? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the thing with the EMDR, though. You know, this is done with um, a professional, right? And, and we're looking at trauma. Do you feel like using EFT on, by yourself, like on your own, doing a video uh, related to some real serious trauma? Like, do you think that that is okay? Or do you feel like using tapping when it comes to these really deep soul wounds that that's best to do with a professional?
1: I think there are some places where it's best not to go into alone when we're dealing with really heavy trauma. Now we can, on our own, we can take the edge off and there's a lot of healing we can do on our own, but there are certain things where it's good to have someone there to hold our hand, but uh, there are, there are a lot of things that we can do simply on our own.
0: And what about when you're working with a client and they, they want to manifest something, but maybe they're not sure what the particular limiting belief or blockage is, how do you help them figure that out?
1: One of the easiest ways is I'll ask them to imagine, well, actually, let's do this right now. So for everyone listening, go ahead and close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and hold it. Let it go. Just allow yourself to feel as centered and grounded as you can at the moment. Just following your breath through your body. Allowing yourself to be aware of how you're feeling physically and how you're feeling emotionally right now. And now think about what it is you'd like to manifest. Imagine yourself having that. You know, whether this is seeing yourself with a romantic partner or seeing yourself driving a particular car or maybe just looking at your online bank statement on your computer. Imagine that you've got this. And say, it's safe for me to have this. And just let that rattle around inside for a moment. And notice on a scale of 0 to 10 how true that feels. Now, I know some of you are going to want to say, oh, it's definitely a 10. Absolutely. And I'm going to say, check again. (laughs) Because the extent to which we don't have what we say we want tends to be the extent to which we are resisting it. And we tend to resist things because they don't feel safe at some level. So we may not be consciously aware of why we feel it's unsafe. Uh, but there's something inside of us that just feels that. And I've done this with so many people. And, you know, they'll say, why don't I have the money that I want? And we'll do this exercise. And I'll say, on a scale of 0 to 10, how safe does it feel? Go, wow, it's like a 2 or a 3. Bingo. If you're, if you're If you had a young child and that child was invited to a birthday party at a particular house, And you're looking at that house and the people who live there and saying, on a scale of zero to 10, how safe is it for my child to go to that party? And you think it's a two or three? Are you going to let your child go to that party? (laughs) No. So acknowledging yourself now. So instead of beating yourself up for not having what you want, the amount of money, the relationship, the level of health, whatever it might be, recognize self-sabotage is simply misguided self-love.
0: Yes. Please explain. Yeah.
1: So however you th- see yourself as sabotaging yourself, if it's, I just, I always screw up interviews or I don't show up to interviews mm-hmm. or I always, you know, just as I'm starting to lose weight, I eat a pint of ice cream or just as uh, just as I'm about to, you know, get my one month chip, my 30 day chip, I go on a bender, whatever it is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's looking at it and saying, okay, beating myself up is not working. <laughs> and being compassionate going okay some part of me said i needed that what what am i afraid of what is going on in there that is causing me this fear and this stress such that i felt a need to sabotage this so when we say we have this this goal there is something and we're not and we don't have it yet something is sabotaging it in some way not cuz we're bad or stupid but because we have old programming about why it's not safe including healthy relationships. If we've, if we've grown up in a situation where uh, relationships are always dysfunctional and abusive, if someone's nice to us, it's like, what the heck is going on here? This is, this is totally uncomfortable. It's totally unsafe.
0: Yeah. Or boring or super boring.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and and I, and I would even go beyond that and say, it is boring. And because that's how I'm telling myself, there's something wrong here. There's something, there's something wrong here. And so I will I will call it boring. We'll call ourselves lazy. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in lazy. Lazy is is just how we cover up the fact that we're afraid of doing something. We don't take action because we can look at, well, I'll put all kinds of effort into this or that. If I was inherently lazy, I couldn't do that. I'm only lazy in those places where I have a reason to avoid taking action, where I'm afraid of the outcome in some way. And it's like, oh, I'm so lazy. I can never exercise. No, there's something about me that says if I exercise, there will be an unfortunate consequence. Maybe I'll feel that I'm too attractive, and being attractive brings in unwanted attention and all kinds of trouble. So, hey, I'm I'm not being lazy. I'm safely avoiding uh, the dangers of exercise. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's like I'm sure you're familiar with um, what's the book, The War of On Art or The War of Art, where
1: Stephen Pressfield, brilliant book.
0: Yeah, so good. Resist- so.
1: Resistance is the enemy.
0: I know. Like, if Let's say I'm going pizza every day for a year. I'll do that hands down. No problem. But go to the gym every day. Maybe I'll last a couple of days.
1: <laughs> right. Even yeah. though inherently in the body, without any kind of programming, as children, we love running around. We love to be physically yeah. active. You know, you look at, you go play fetch with your dog and your dog's like, throw the ball, throw the ball. Come on. I want to run, throw the ball. There is that inside of us. But after years of programming, we have these ideas about why it's not there. Now, someone else could say, I don't want pizza at all because of their programming. And so that mm-hmm. wouldn't be easy for them. But many of us have no resistance to the idea of pizza. So it's looking at why do I have that resistance? So that's what the, that, that step of clearing is recognizing, OK, because if I don't have what I say I want right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the possibility, probability certainty that i have some resistance to either having it or to doing what it takes in order to get it. Mm,
0: I know. I just think that that's such a game changer, right? It's just the the willingness to to be open to that and that's why i think what you're doing is so important and um and having conversations like this because um i think every every single person is is dealing with this on some level whether it's manifesting in some really destructive ways or maybe just in some real subtle ways. But I think it's just so important that it's talked about more. So we, we've we've cleared it and now we're going to live it. What are we doing in living it? Step
1: three. So living it is where we, like we just did really imagining that we have it. Really imagining living in that place and trying to get into that vibrational energy. And that's where in, in the movie The Secret and a lot of law of attraction things, they say first create it and now live it. And so you're trying to get into that vibrational harmony. And that's why Joe and I were both talking about putting in the clear it step so that when we now envision it, if we've, if we've already acknowledged, okay, it's not safe for me to have this because of this old belief that money is the root of all evil or whatever it might be. And I can tap on that to clear that belief such that I recognize, okay, one, the, the actual quote is not money is the root of all evil. <laughs> it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil which is, as we break it down, it's a totally different statement. And, and so we recognize, okay, so it's not evil to have money. And now when I think about having the money, it's safe. It's like, oh, yeah, it feels okay to have that. Great. Now I can envision it and, I can, and now go back into that image of driving that sports car or looking at my bank statement or being on vacation or whatever it is or uh, being in that relationship. And it's like, oh, yeah, now this really feels good. Now I'm in a really positive vibration that is much more attractive to bringing good things into my life. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. Okay. So then we're going to let it go. Step four. Yeah. This is
1: the then, hard part. It, <laughs> so it's a matter of then not obsessing about it. And I, I was working in my mastermind group this morning with someone talking about their vision board and how it can be upsetting. It's like, yeah, because if we stare at it, then we might start to go, well, here's what I don't have. And then it becomes something that's mm. bothering us that we don't have. It's like, no, allow yourself to be excited about it and then get back into your your life and do what you can do here today. You know, be be fully engaged in your work as opposed to being distracted by, well, I, I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm I'm on this interview with Andrea and I should be talking about this, but I really, part of my mind is near driving that, that car or whatever it might be. And uh, so it's like, yeah, I spent some time visualizing that again, excited about it. And then I put that out there and, you know, send it over to higher power, the universe. It's like, okay, this is, this is what I feel great about. And now I'm going to be fully engaged in where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah. That's a hard part. It is. It's hard when things don't happen as quickly as we want them to. And just really being in that place of <sighs> everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be right now in this moment. It's like, you know, it's my
1: goal. Every, I actually just shot it based on <laughs> that. Having done that round in that mastermind, I shot a new video about vision boards and being able to look at it and recognize you know, tap while looking at it and recognize, okay, if I'm seeing it, since everything is energy, I'm connected to everything. So I already have it at some level, you know, mm-hmm. just like you can think about something you might own that you don't see right now. If, if you own a car, if it's in the garage, you probably can't see it right now, but it's like, yeah, but I know that I have it. You have everything. Mm. It's all out there. It may not be in your possession. I is, we're talking about a window shop. And it's like, you can go to a window shop and you can enjoy this this like a beautiful outfit. Oh, this, what an awesome outfit. And isn't isn't it so great that since my closet is kind of crowded, this store is allowing me to, to store it here in a place where I get to share it with other people. Other people get to enjoy my awesome outfit. That's a stretch for me. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. But allowing yourself to be in that, letting go of this idea of I have this lack. It's letting go because we're so programmed to have lack and I don't have it. I don't have it. You do. You're connected to everything. And as you allow yourself to be in that place and that that place of gratitude, you know, if you're looking at um, a picture of a beautiful beach, lots of people on their vision boards have pictures of beautiful beaches. It's like like, that picture is beautiful. You can enjoy it right there. Why would you say, oh, I have to feel bad about this beautiful picture? How close do you have to be? Could you be 20 feet away from the water and enjoy the beach? Most people say, yeah, I love having my beach chair 20 feet. But someone might say, no, 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 no. Unless you're actually in the water, you can't, you don't really have it. (laughs) So, (laughs) if we can enjoy it from 20 feet out, why can't we enjoy it just on the picture right there? And that's, and, and some people say, well, that's demotivating. If I don't feel the pain of not having it, I won't be motivated. No, 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 no. That, that pain sucks the energy out of us. It doesn't, you know, we might be driven, but if we're driven by pain, if we're driven to work out by looking in the mirror and saying, you are so out of shape, you're awful. Then even if we get into shape, we're still going to feel bad because we're beating ourselves up every day. It's a matter of saying, I love myself so much, and I love myself so much that I want to give myself the best. I want to take good care of my body. I want to allow myself to enjoy beautiful things, whether I'm enjoying them in a picture or actually being there. And I choose to be in that positive vibration. In that positive place, we naturally make healthier choices, and we naturally do the things that put us there in the water or put us in the car or in the relationship and we draw those things to us because now we're ready for it we're we're open to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know I don't have you for that much longer so let's move on to step 5 <laughs> likely action.
1: So people often talk about taking inspired action, which is great. But for a lot of us on a daily basis that inspired action just doesn't make itself available. <laughs> it's like I don't know what yeah, that is. What
0: the hell is that? Mean?
1: <laughs> so it's a matter of looking at what is likely to move the needle? I want to get from here to there. What's going to move the needle? It's like, um, you know, inspired. Uh, if I'm trying to, uh, if I want to be a, a multimillionaire, inspired action is create this incredible product that everybody wants to have. Well, I may not know what that is <laughs> right now. So likely action is, you know, ask for a raise at my job, get a, try to get a promotion. Do some studying so that I improve my skills. What is something? And it's, what can I do today? Rather than sitting there going, I am going to absolutely, you know, set the world on fire as soon as that inspiration hits. Come on, God, bring all that inspiration. On, <laughs> Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Give me a million dollar idea. Uh, yeah, Come on, seven. Um, yeah. <laughs> tap for anybody with a gambling addiction, go ahead and tap. As I say that, <laughs> I didn't mean to trigger anybody. Um, but it, so it's looking at what could I do today that could possibly move me in the right direction? You know, what, what could I go? I could go into my mm. pantry and throw out the food that I know I should not be eating and really don't need to eat. I, I, you know, couldn't call up a friend and say, Hey, can you talk? I, I get some stuff to talk about. So not, not waiting for the perfect thing, but just asking yourself, what can I do right now that might move me in the right direction?
0: And I mean, would you consider that could also be like prayer and meditation? I mean, I think a lot of the times sometimes action can be maybe not something that's directly correlated to our goal, but something like that.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> to go back and use a, a, a quote from Programme, one of my favorite statements is uh, in a section called A Vision for You, and says, see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. So if we, and, and what's great is that's actually a rewording of, of a line from uh, from scripture, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added unto you. So it's it's a concept that's been there for a long time, and I'm sure there's things that predate the Bible that say the same concept. You know, and and Abraham Hicks talks about this in Law of Attraction. The most important thing is that you feel good. And I'll say feeling good Mm -hmm. is feeling God and, and vice versa. So whatever you can do to make yourself right with God as you understand God, higher power, source, universe. And so in this moment, it might be, what can I do to go out and help a friend? What can I do to this? Or maybe it's just, what can I do to feel better right now? And it may just be, I'm just going to sit here and meditate for a few moments. I'm just going to turn off the TV, put my phone down and just be quiet and just, you know, listen to that still small, quiet voice inside. Uh, I I may just, you know, look out the window and and notice a a flower that's out there and just appreciate that beauty for a moment. Uh, Saying a prayer. And. I love to add tapping to that. So I'll start each morning and I'll say, sometimes I'll say some of the step prayers or I'll say a simple statement like, thank you for the blessings that I have and thank you for the blessings I'm receiving. And I'll be tapping while I'm doing so, so that if there's any part of me that might have resistance that I may not be consciously aware of, I'm clearing out. There's no harm in tapping. So it's like saying, you know, whatever, whatever might be there inside of me. That, you know, so if I'm if I'm saying a prayer, uh, one of the prayers I like to use is uh, what's called the prayer of Jabez from uh, from Chronicles, from the, the Old Testament. And, it, um, you know, thanking God for making for bringing more abundance into my life. And uh, someone wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. Picking this out. It's like, you know, this in Chronicles, it's just this long list of so and so begets, so and so begets, so and so begets, so and so pages and pages of lists of names. And then suddenly, Jabez says, Thank you, God, for all these blessings that I have and for expanding my blessings. And God answered his prayer. And then it goes back and do, and so and so begets, so and so. (laughs) So this guy said, What is it about this guy, Jabez, that the guy writing, whoever wrote Chronicles <laughs> decided that it was important to put that statement in there. And a lot of people found that beneficial. So I'll just tap Well done. So, you know, thank you, God, for all the blessings coming to me. And I'm going to clear anything inside of me that might be saying, whoa, no, don't give me that.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you that. I mean, you've been doing this for so long, but do you still have limiting beliefs pop up?
1: Uh, you know, n- nobody's perfect and nothing is so good that it can't get better. You know, I, I have an awesome life. Uh, and there are still things I'd like to experience. And I go, okay, what part of me might be resisting that? You know, um, mm. why am I not part of uh, Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 200 yet, you know, <laughs> or whatever it might be? <laughs> it's, uh, so, you know, I look at on my YouTube channel. Okay, I would love to have millions of subscribers. I would love to know that my videos are reaching so many people. I, I had the idea this morning, it's like, you know, So right now people are talking about vaccinations in order to build herd immunity. The more people who uh, are immune, the more we clear this pandemic. So in, uh, so Bessel van der Kolk, the, you know, one of the premier experts in trauma in his book, Uh, the body keeps the score yet talks about how the biggest health crisis in the world, and certainly in the U S is child abuse and Mm -hmm. recognizing that that violence Begets violence, begets violence, and it's it's it is a pandemic. And saying, okay, if people could tap away the the pain inside that gets that that fuels violence, if enough people were tapping, we might create herd immunity against that violence and against that pain and suffering. And I'm not claiming it's going to be 100% perf- perfect. Just like vaccines are not 100% perfect. But it's just, you know, it's looking for what is a step in the right direction. What are the things that we can do to clear the stuff that causes that pain? So I so I would love mm-hmm. to have all seven plus billion people on the planet using EFT. So I'll look at my subscriber and go, OK, why isn't it, you know, two billion subscribers? <laughs> and I'll just clear whatever whatever part of me is resisting having a bigger impact. I choose to clear that. hmm.
0: Well, I think what you're doing is amazing and little, I had no idea you were going to be such a big book thumper. Have you, they use that term. You are a big book thumper. You're quoting shit. Look at you.
1: You know, I, I love, I love truth wherever I find it. You know, I'll, I'll quote comics. (laughs) In in fact, that's a line. That's a line from illusions where uh, someone, he, the Messiah says something and it's a quote from a peanuts cartoon. And the guy says, I believe you're quoting peanuts. Snoopy. And he said, I'll, I'll (laughs) quote truth wherever I find it. (laughs) Well,
0: that's what I love about what you do. And, um, you know, adding your humor to it, because I think that humor is so important when it comes to healing. And that's something big that I wanted to create with this podcast is we're talking about raw and vulnerable shit, but we also need to be able to, to laugh at it and embrace it. And, um, so that's why I just, I really love your videos because I love the the lightness that you bring to it. Because it is, it's, yeah, it's very important it, it, in it's healing. It's the spoonful
1: of sugar that helps the medicine go down. You know, if we're just all sitting <laughs> around going, oh, this upsetting stuff, all this trauma, my life sucks, people hurt me. It's important stuff to do, but to be able to, you know, throw in some comic relief sometimes and and laughter in and of itself, you know, I said laughter is the best medicine. It's certainly one of the beneficial medicines and and can help us to open up. And sometimes it's after we have a really big laugh that it's like, oh, wow, something just really shifted because we've created this opening where we're blocked off before.
0: So this will be released next week. Um, but by that point, I know that this upcoming Saturday, you're doing this what is this tapping into yeah. your big vision? Is this something that people could access? Cause this won't be released until whatever next Wednesday is August. I don't know. Is this something that they could get access to after this, after the day it was yeah, released? That
1: I, that I'm not sure about. Um, I, I'm not the organizer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not the organizer. So I don't know if they're going to continue to sell the recordings afterwards. I know that people who buy it, we'll be able to get the recordings because four of the six practitioners are in England. And so this is going to be going on throughout the English day. Uh, I will be the last person speaking yes. here in California in the morning. So I will be missing most of the, <laughs> my buddy in Australia is going to be late, uh, late in the night before. So, uh, so I know that the the recordings will be there. And I think that people will still be able to get access.
0: Okay. And then do you have any other events that are coming up?
1: I have a live event Fingers crossed, my first live and in-person event in Cleveland in September. Hopefully, it'll be doing many more as, as a recovering actor, doing live experience, uh, live workshops is my favorite. And, and listen to Bessel van der Kolk talking about uh, what he calls trauma drama and how all of these drama programs, theatrical programs for dealing with drama are so profound. And they all have the same thing in common, that they all acknowledge the challenges of life. And they transform it through a communal engagement. And it's like, oh my God, that's mm. what we're doing in a, in a workshop. <laughs> we're doing trauma draw because we're acknowledging the, the stuff, but we're all harmonizing together together. Just like, you know, cultures forever have used dance and chanting to harmonize, to have an experience. And we're doing that with the tapping and repeating back the same phrases.
0: So where can people find you?
1: So thank you. You can find me at my website, tapwithbrad.com. And that has links to all of my different resources, classes, programs, uh, different channels. And you can find me on social media at tapwithbrad, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter.
0: Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all the good work that you bring to this world um, and the impact that you've had on my life. I'm extremely grateful. And it's, this has just been a crazy experience just you know, talking to people. I mean, I've looked at your, I, I've looked at, we've spent a lot of time <laughs> together. Um, this is just the first time that you're aware of, so. <laughs>
1: well, but thank, thank you, you so much for doing what you do. Thank you for working through what you, you know, the, having the courage to work through what you've worked through such that you're sharing your gifts in the way that you are. And thank you for the opportunity to share this work. And thank you to everyone listening for being willing to, uh, you know, evolve (laughs) because it's going to be great for you and everyone around you.
0: Well, that wraps up today's episode. As always, I hope you heard something that can help you on your own journey. Thank you, Brad, for your time, for your wisdom. That was truly amazing. Please check out the show notes for ways to contact him, links to his videos, and additional resources. There are a bunch of goody good resources in there, so please check them out. I've received a bunch of messages about overcoming limiting beliefs and manifestation and all that shit. So I hope that this episode was helpful for y'all. It's definitely a topic that we will continue to dive deep into. Um, You can also find links to my social media in the show notes as well as ways to contact me. We have a lot of really, really good interviews coming up, guys. I'm recording a handful of interviews over the next week and a half that I'm really fucking excited for y'all to hear. So stay tuned and I will see you guys next week for another fucking amazing episode of Adult Child. It's going to be super raw. It's going to be super vulnerable. And I'm super excited for y'all to hear it. It's going to be a goodie. I promise. I promise. I love like-
1: you. <laughs>